We're proud to have United Harvest as one of our sponsors. Founded by farmers and ranchers, United Harvest brings the finest meats directly to your door via the magic of the internet and overnight delivery. United Harvest pays qualified ranchers more than 75% of the market prices to procure their top cattle. Owning their own butcher shop, cuts are carefully crafted, vacuum sealed, and flash frozen for ultimate freshness after a 14-day wet age process. Unique to United Harvest is that their grass-raised cattle are finished on cold potatoes, creating an amazing buttery flavor that's unmatched. In addition to premium cattle, many with the Krebs Ramps genetics, United Harvest offers Huterite pork raised by whole communities committed to pork excellence. Anderson Ranch's grass-fed Oregon lamb and Masami Japanese-American Wagyu Angus cross cattle. The Huterite's pork tastes like it's been marinated in apple juice for a week with such amazing tenderness and sweetness that you cannot find at a store. Anderson Ranch's lamb tastes both fresh and tender, like the best lamb you've ever had. Ma- Masami's Wagyu beef is like eating butter with an Angus flavor to it. It's pretty incredible. Everyone who's eaten it says it's life-changing and it's a life-changing event. I'm offering you 15% off by typing the discount code FRIENDS15 in the discount box. We guarantee you will be absolutely in love with these meats. Please go to unitedharvest.com today. What am I going to do, quit? That's not an option. you got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden, dig it. You make it work for you. You never give up, man. That's my philosophy. Welcome back to Legendary Mindset. I am your host, Jake P. Richardson. So this week's episode is with Mr. Brent Titus. And um, we didn't really do a traditional Legendary Mindset interview. It wasn't much of a live story, um, but we did discuss a topic and that topic is livestock judging so most people don't know this about brent or i guess a lot of people probably do but um he's a very competitive livestock judging coach and a livestock judger when he was in college um and it's something he's very passionate about so we kind of dove into the topic of of collegiate livestock judging and, and what it all entails um but you guys will hear all about that in this episode which we'll hear after we hear from our premier sponsor which is biozyme um, and Durafirm. Durafirm is a line of sheep and goat mineral supplements designed to ensure that your herd is receiving optimal digestive health and nutrition resulting in maximized performance. This word performance, that can mean if you're, you're a stud ram, um, it helps with fertility, it just helps keeps your insides healthy and, and everything functioning good, whether you're a brood you, or whether you're on your way to the breeding pen, or if you're on your way to the lambing pen, it's always going to keep them on track from a mineral standpoint. Uh, their products include Durafirm Sheep Concept Aid Protein Tubs, Durafirm Sheep Concept Aid Loose Mineral with and without heat options, and a Durafirm Goat Concept Aid Loose Mineral. So, if you want to learn more about the Durafirm products or where you can find a dealer, visit Durafirm.com and they can get you set up with whatever you need. But, without further ado, here's Brent Titus' episode. So we were at a livestock show today, and there was some livestock showing going on. You guys showed some sheep, correct? Yeah, yesterday we did. Uh, Trace had three, kind of his last two raw here. Mm-hmm. Denver was supposed to be his last stock show, and obviously no Denver because of the pandemic. So we we kind of made this our replacement Denver since we had Glenn, the same mm-hmm. judge. Kind of kind of felt like a, a major. So sure. it's kind of interesting to be done, but uh, I guess we are. So roll on to the next chapter. What does that mean, done? Well, we'll never get done, right? We got too many ewes at home, and yeah. Trace is going to start helping families. But 
Man, it's a weird feeling. It's mm-hmm. it's it has been our life for yeah. 13 years of every stock show and every state fair and every jackpot you can get to. And you know, walked out of that ring yesterday afternoon about four o'clock, and I thought to myself, I'm I'm never gonna watch that kid in uh, in the show ring again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know a lot of dads have experienced it. It was definitely a moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you know you just eat, sleep, live, and breathe. Ending. It's 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 different for yeah. sure. I'm sure. And Trace is quite a few years younger than me, but I remember when I first started showing, I seen Trace Titus on websites. Like he's been he's been showing for a long time. He's, he's had a great career, and he, and the people that have helped him over the years, and we have such a great support system, and people that really want to see my son succeed. And you know, I think that this industry, if if anything, it's not about the winning and losing. It's those relationships and those people that are there for you. And you know, you set your kids up to you know, be successful in life because of what we do. And as long as we don't lose sight of that, we're all mm-hmm. good. Now, hey, I want to hang the big banner just as bad as anybody else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, kind of as you reflect on it and, and look at the amount of success any kid has had, you know, it's it's the people around them that made it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they worked their butt off at home, but the, there's a lot of folks that go into making making this work for any kid that's yeah. successful. What are some of those things that those life lessons we were just talking about. Maybe not winning and losing, and we're not all going to blow sheep legs for the rest of our lives. But Yeah, just, you know, I, I watch I watch the way the fitter thing has evolved from when uh, my brother showed. Um, and it's it's these groups of kids, they never separate. You know, you, you take somebody like your age, Jake, and there was a group of people that you showed with. And I, and I see you interacting with those people at stock shows all the time. And I think we really set our kids up to understand the dynamic of how to agree, disagree with people within their their group, whether it be their job group, the, the employees they work with in a department at, at their job, or, or the people they maybe sell things to at a job. They learn that interaction and, and how to balance differing opinions and networking. And I, I don't that to me is invaluable. I don't think you can teach it anywhere any better than a stock show. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty diverse learning environment. I mean, there's some, you're learning by example, you're learning by hard work, and, and there's a lot of winning and losing that teaches some lessons. In yeah, for sure. And to watch people that you care about win and to be truly happy about their successes when it's not you. And let's face it, that's what this world is built on, right? When you, when you go into a professional career, you're not always going to be the guy with the limelight on them, but you got to realize you're on that team. And if a win for the team is a win for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I truly think that what we're doing, the way we show sheep, goats, steers, you know, it's really setting kids up to be able to step up and step into a big kid job mm-hmm. and be years ahead of people that haven't experienced mm-hmm. it. Just habitual attitude. I think is something that's learned and that takes you a long ways is the Absolutely. attitude you have in your life and stuff like that. What's Trace going to do? He's going to tech, right? Well, he's going to go to South Plains. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and then obviously to tech, I don't think there was ever any question on tech um, as the end point, but he decided to go to South Plains and Leveland. He loves West Texas. Mm-hmm. Will has brainwashed him from a very young age that that's the place to be. Okay. So um, obviously the Newsom family are very good friends of ours and we're, we're really excited about his opportunity to learn what we're going to talk about today from mm-hmm. Connor, and uh, um, I think that program's had a high degree of success. And it's not something Trace has really immersed himself in. Mm-hmm. He's been much more focused on the showing of the livestock side. I think a lot because Dad was a coach, mm-hmm. and I'm going to, you know, veer away from that. And I think he's like ready to step up and be like, "Okay, I'm ready to do this. Mm-hmm. This is for me now. I want to get right in it. I want I want somebody to teach me that isn't pops." Mm-hmm. 
and I don't think that's going to set him back any not having a whole lot of judging experience. Honestly, I think being maybe being a stock kid for a while kind of some of those kids do very, very good in, in the judging scenario once they finally get to college. When I was coaching at Lakeland, I would tell people and they, they would think they would laugh a little bit, but I would say often give me a really intelligent, smart kid that nobody's ever steered the wrong way at livestock judging and I can turn them into the best. Mm-hmm. And those that, you know, they're a blank canvas, but they've got enough knowledge about what good livestock looks like because they've shown them mm-hmm. and you can paint whatever picture you want with kids like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that FFA advisors mess them up, but in a lot of situations, you know, how you 4-H play something is not going to get along in college. And those kids have had lots and lots of success and you can't, you can't reprogram them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an uphill battle every step because they believe what has been successful yeah. as opposed to being able to say, we're taking the next step. Things are different. Mm-hmm. Just give me a good, smart stock kid and, and we'll roll you. Mm-hmm. And they almost have a different set of instincts. I think when they, when they see an animal, especially those kids that have spent their whole life around it, not judging, but just around livestock, they have an, you know, a certain speed to the way they place classes and it doesn't take them as long to decide what, what they like and what they don't. Yeah, and they've just been programmed by the people that they've grown up around it to re- quickly recognize what quality is. Mm-hmm. And, and the word quality is vast, mm-hmm. but understanding just what makes quality livestock of any species. And I don't care if you're talking about horses or chickens. There's just a difference between quality and not quality. Mm-hmm. And stock show kids that have, that work at it, that they recognize that just immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. For sure. But, uh, let's talk about your... Uh kind of growing up uh you were livestock kid growing up you're, you ju- you said you judged in ffa yeah I, I wasn't a livestock kid growing up really until uh i was a, a freshman in high school i had no experience with any livestock i grew up in town mm-hmm. um my grandfather owned a sale barn um when i was very very young but as uh people my generation and older know the early 80s was very hard on on agriculture in the midwest and that, that did not work out for him he went and got a job at a factory my dad was a banker. My mom was a school teacher. Um, we lived in town, and my dad on the side trained some racehorses as a hobby. Mm. Um, on a whim, when I signed up for my freshman year classes, my mom said, man, maybe you should think about taking ag. And I had an open spot in my schedule, and I took ag, and I had an incredible high school ag teacher. But until that point, I'd never shown livestock. I didn't know there was any such thing as livestock judging, and I just got completely immersed in FFA. I was never a good athlete. Honestly, I was never good at anything until I got into FFA and this teacher just pushed and pushed and pushed and I just I just ate it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I did every contest and I did every event and I I was just ate alive with that because I finally found something that I was at least better than average at. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about it excited you that made you kind of latch on? Man, you know, I don't know. It just seemed like I fit. It's mm-hmm. like I walked into that classroom and, uh, you know, he was an old, gruff, rough guy to deal with. He didn't cut you any slack at all, but he was a winner. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, he won more state championships, more livestock judging contests. I mean, he knew how to win. And I think I wanted that so bad in whatever area. And I fit. Mm-hmm. And it just happened. And uh, my life changed at 14 years old, I mean, dramatically. Mm-hmm. So what were those those FFA contests like back then? So a lot different than they are now, yeah. right? I would say they were, you know, much more basic. You know, it's evolved so rapidly. But, you know, we did we did everything from, from soils and forestry and obviously livestock judging. And in the state of Illinois, you could go to a livestock judging contest 
basically every weekend in the wow. fall. You could take the, the winter off, and you could start at the only Beef Expo in February and judge every weekend until the State FFA contest the first Tuesday in May. And we did. We back got then? A, back then. Wow. We got in a judging van every Saturday. Damn. Four or five o'clock in the morning, you know, we'd go to the football game Friday night. A couple of my buddies that judged with me were on uh, – we're on the football team, and we, we'd be sitting in the high school parking lot at 3.30 the next morning, and he'd be taking us to a contest. And, you know, I don't want to be, like, emotional about it, but, you know, I wasn't good at anything else. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this guy was like, you can do this. You can be good at this. I could teach you to be good at this. And I just wanted that so badly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a friend of my dad's that showed some really, really good show steers. They they won the only state fair a couple times. My, he was my dad's high school best friend and and they made a passing comment one day like hey you know prince and ag maybe maybe you try to show some lambs you can keep them at our house in our steer barn and i mean that was that was it from there it was over mm-hmm. where'd you go get lambs that first year the first year we bought our sheep from the university of only sheep farm and they were horrible <laughs> absolutely horrible but this this buddy of my dad's his son was working at the sheep farm at the u of i and and you won't realize this jake but in the 1970s and early 80s the university of illinois had the best weather sheep on the planet really? um there are pictures hanging in the u of i sheep barn of like joe harrell's daughter which would be tyler rhodes's mm-hmm. mom winning oie with a sheep raised at the university of illinois Damn. they had a buck called lou henson and he revolutionized the weather game and so, you know, this was a few years after that, but there was still blackface using that flock that mm-hmm. were back to that stuff that had won OIE, had won Houston, you know, back to the old walking tall suffix stuff. That some of you older sheep breeders will, will remember. And so we went and bought a couple $150 lambs there. They were absolutely horrible. We took them to the state fair. We got last in class. But, I mean, from there, we just busted our butt, mm-hmm. tried to do better. I bought lambs from the U of I for two years. And then we started kind of branching out, and then my dad built us a little lean-to shed in, in one of his broodmare pastures and, uh, you know, said, there you go, feed your sheep there. And, you know, I never showed a good sheep. I never won a sheep show in my life. By the time my brother got rolling, I was up in junior college and, you know, had made some connections and was, was judging with some people that, that knew. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we, we would win a class at a state fair. We might we might take one to Kansas City or Louisville and be seventh or eighth, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we were he he won the Blues at Louisville his very last year, and, I mean, that was the highlight of, of the show career of the Titus family. Mm-hmm. We were last more than we were in the top half, I can assure you. For sure. So I remember when I was young and, and just started, I don't know why I had a certain obsession. I, I wanted to judge shows at some point in my adult life, and that was always a goal. Were you thinking, I want to keep judging, I want to judge these shows, or, or what did you want to do you know, life at that point? You know, all I knew in high school was my ticket to – getting a free college education was judging livestock Mm -hmm. you know I played baseball just a little bit and uh you know wasn't bad but I sure wasn't good enough to go anywhere that mattered and I just kept thinking to myself this this you know you look at it and you're like they give scholarships away for Mm -hmm. this stuff I don't know at that point if I knew I wanted to coach I know I didn't know I wanted to judge stock shows I just knew that this is an opportunity for me Mm -hmm. to get somewhere and get me some scholarships, save myself some money, get a good education. And in the short term, I think that was there. You know, by the time I got to Lakeland, you know, and I was on an incredible livestock judging team with some people that are just some of the smartest stock people I know to this day, I knew I wanted to judge shows. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to never not be involved in this industry. Mm -hmm. 
Were you raising any sheep when you got into college, or, w- or when did that kind of come? So we didn't. Out? I didn't start raising sheep until uh, two thousand. Uh, no, ninety nine. I bought the first use with a college buddy of mine, mm-hmm. Brad Horner. Judges some mm-hmm. goat shows. Sure, we bought some ewes together from Brad Dale in Iowa, and uh, we kept those ewes with each other for three or four years. And then when uh, you know, kind of just. He was an hour and a half from my hometown. Mm-hmm. It, just, it wasn't that it didn't work. It just it needed to split. So yeah. we split him up, and he took half, and I took half. And, you know, he's not race sheep anymore, but, you know, his dad took those ewes, and then we moved our ewes there to my mom and dad's place. Mm-hmm. And um, The raising a sheep thing, you know, it was just like, like most people. You show them you don't want to get rid of them. Hey, I'm going to raise them. Yeah. We had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, Brad knew a lot more than I did. He'd been really successful, you know, won a bunch of classes at majors and showing really good sheep and – had reserve at our state fair four or five times. Mm-hmm. He he knew a lot more about it than I did. I just was like, well, I'm a livestock judge, and I want to raise livestock, and I had no business raising livestock. For sure. Let's jump back to junior college. Who was, uh, who was your coach there, and, and how did you decide to, to end up going there for school? Yeah, so I visited, you know, the recruiting thing in the, ni- was the late 90s. I graduated high school in 97. It wasn't anywhere near like it is now. You know, you, you were recruited basically in-state, surrounding states. You know, so I visited at that time uh, Lakeland. Well, John Althaus was the coach there, and uh, Blackhawk, obviously Hogue, you know, legendary guy. And Joliet was really the other school that was really pushing it, and Dale Hummel was the coach there at the yeah. time. I visited all three of those schools. And uh, to be honest with you, Lakeland was 15 minutes from home. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mom and Dad were like, you do whatever you want. And uh, some kids started committing to Lakeland, and I was like, you know, I, I think I think we can win there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I called John one day and said, you know, I hear you got Tucker Beckmeyer, Craig's brother, Nick Mock, wow. uh, Shandy Bertolino, which was Shandy Froach, is an incredible judge. And I mean, those kids committed, and I'm like, yeah, this is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is good. It's close to home. These kids are, are real, real good. And so I committed and went there, and, and it was great. I, those people are still some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Jay Ryan, that's a name a lot of people won't know, but – they were on top of the breeding sheep world at the time. He's an incredible livestock mind. Aaron Bertolino, guys, guys, just smart. I mean, well, I was so lucky because I was nothing but a city kid who had won livestock judging contest, and these kids came from families that were breeders, mm-hmm. that were immersed in it. They were winning. Those guys taught me more about what good livestock should look like and how you can breed good livestock. You know, Horner was on the team. He didn't, he didn't finish on the team, but he started. Guy had probably the sharpest eye for certain forehead in 30 seconds of anybody I'd ever met. And, you know, I just was 4-H trained to win judging contests. Mm-hmm. These kids lived and breathed and were showing state fair winners. And it opened my eyes. They taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? Um, like you said, you weren't raising livestock, and, and you just kind of were there to judge. Did you have to – change up your style a little bit from the 4-H world or, or, or what did you learn and, and how did you get better there? So we just, we never gave reasons in high school. Like my advisor didn't believe that every contest in Illinois had a non-reasons division. And I think the biggest thing for me when I got to junior college is I had been taught and, and Eulon Andrews was my high school ag teacher and he was so good at breaking it down to where, okay, if these four look like this, start with this one, put this one last and you get to junior college, and it's just not like that anymore, right? You have to be able to evaluate more. And I, and I didn't really know what I was doing other than somebody told me this, you know, the the lowest days to 230 breeding guilt needs to win a class. You know, that's 4-H type stuff. John was so good, and those kids that were on my team were so good about – I saw things I didn't even know you could see in livestock. Mm-hmm. 
And in junior college, I was an extremely sporadic livestock judge. I'd win a contest, and the next week, you know, drop 140. I was armed with so much knowledge about what I was seeing, I had absolutely no idea how to prioritize it and how it needed to cause animals to be ranked in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And I think when I got to coaching, that was one thing that I really tried to do to the kids is say, look, what you see, all of this that you see, this is reasons material. Mm -hmm. Placing them is not any harder than using good over bad. And I struggled with that in junior college horribly. Um, I'd bust classes that were easy, you know. Mm -hmm. Because I would see things, and I'd be like, well, I saw this. Well, yeah, that's right, but it has no bearing on how the class needs to be placed. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere between junior college and senior college, it kind of all morphed together for me. I finally figured it out. It's like, it's all right to see those things. It's all right to talk about all that stuff you see, but you can't let every single factor affect how you're going to place class. Mm-hmm. So the difference between your experience in junior college and senior college, sorting anything differently or or – or uh, like was it more quality sorting the older you got it seemed like or senior college is just so awesome yeah. because it's so much the fluff and the all that is gone mm-hmm. right they, those are stockmen listening to you most times and you know what they want they want to hear stockman stuff mm-hmm. and to me it was just an experience senior college was incredible i don't know that you place the livestock any different right i mean at that time kansas city and louisville were or, you know, Kansas City was a split contest. There was a junior college and a senior college. It's not like that anymore. You know, they all judge together now. Denver, same way. You didn't judge with the JUCO kids. Um, I don't think any of that changes how you place them. Mm-hmm. I think you just become more mature as a livestock evaluator mm-hmm. and all the difficulty in understanding how to prioritize as you get older and you see more and you've done more, you know, it just goes away and your instinct kicks in. Like you said earlier, those mm-hmm. kids have the instinct. Instinct kicks in. It needs to go that way. I know it. And when you get convicted like that and you see the right things, that's when you get those kids that are elite. Mm-hmm. You know, the Connor Brews, the Skyler Scottons. I mean, those kids that you under – the names we hear now, mm-hmm. elite, Yeah, those kids have it. They got it. They got they it. They can walk into a contest without a notebook and, and not write anything down and yeah. crush it. I mean, Brandon Yanis, Miles Tenius, Blaine Olson. I coach those kids all mm-hmm. uh, either on the State 4-H team or uh, Todd Byers. Mm-hmm. They had it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you – you just – all you were doing was driving the bus and teaching them how to say the right stuff that was going to have high scores. Mm-hmm. They were born with it. They didn't need a coach. Yeah. So where would you end up for senior college? I went to University of Illinois. University of Illinois. Who was coach there? Craig Beckmeyer. Craig Beckmeyer was your coach. Craig Beckmeyer was my coach. He was two years older than me, but was he was my say. senior college coach. His, bro- was- his brother Tucker was my roommate. Wow. I didn't know that. And that was probably the first dose I got into a true livestock breeder coaching mm-hmm. me. My ag teacher never raised livestock. John Althouse, you know, he worked for the NSR. He was a fieldman. He helped people breed a lot of pigs, but he never raised anything on his own. Mm-hmm. And so Craig was the first person, you know, that had a vested interest at home in raising livestock. And, boy, the perspective is totally different. Mm-hmm. And it taught me a lot about how to be a good coach, mm-hmm. blending the Craig and the John mm-hmm. together. Like, there is a way it needs to be placed, but you need this livestock breeder part of it in you to be able to describe them correctly to score lots of points mm-hmm. for sure so that would have been craig's first year coaching or yeah craig's first year coaching there you go so how'd you guys do as a team and, and who was on that team with you so unfortunately we we had a rough go as a team tucker beckmeyer was on that team mm-hmm. um andrew bagley who was my roommate great commercial cattle guy now was on that team eric yoder who uh showed a lot of good market lambs a kid named keith funderberg that raises a lot of commercial hogs we were only a five-man team Mm. and uh, all 10th, 9th, 
Uh, I was fortunate to be the high individual at Kansas City and Louisville. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Craig pretty much turned me loose and said, look, this team's probably not going to win the contest. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to sling it, you know, mm -hmm. swing for the fences. For sure. So if I always tell people that I, you know, that's that's quite. I'm proud of that accomplishment. Um, almost went to Texas A&M, and uh, had I went there, I know there's no doubt I would not have won those two contests because that team was incredible, mm -hmm. and I would have been extremely more conservative in how I mark my cards in an attempt not mm -hmm. to lose the contest for my team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it wasn't in that spot, so I was able to do some things and switch some pairs that, you know, you probably truthfully, if I was coaching kids, I would have got on them about doing, mm -hmm. but I'd be like, yeah. I it's probably a two-point pair, but I can talk at three points better. High risk. I would never would have done that if I'd have been at, you know, K-State, Michigan State, A&M. They were the guns that year. Mm -hmm. If I'd have been at one of those schools, I'd have never been able to win those contests. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So you hadn't you didn't talk reasons in high school. How did uh, – I know sometimes they come easy for people and, and others it just kind of takes a while to click. How did that kind of work out for you and how did it, you make it work? You know, it did come easy for me. I, I was very, very fortunate. It wasn't something that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. Um I think it's just a desire, you know. I, man, I can't tell you how many sets of reasons I gave my freshman year at Lakeland in the in the shower, mm -hmm. in the mirror, in the bathroom while you're shaving or brushing your teeth, you know, going through your head. But it did come easy for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I I was very, very fortunate uh, in that aspect. Mm -hmm. For sure. So did when when did you think maybe you wanted to start coaching? Or was it, where did you start coaching at the four-year you were at? Yeah, so I, I graduated from the University of Illinois, and the state of Illinois has an all-star team for the Louisville 4-H contest. Um, it's one of the few states that does. And I guess I – I mean, there was never a question in my mind I was going to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Dr. Doug Parrott was my graduate advisor. He had been the livestock judging coach. Craig Beckmeyer was coaching, and Dr. Dan Scheich, who coached there later, was doing his undergrad. He was helping Craig. And they all sat me down and said, you know, you, you're going to grad school. You want to do this? And, I mean, there no hesitation. Mm -hmm. It was exactly what I wanted to do. I mm -hmm. wanted to coach – um, and I don't know how that transition ever occurred. I just wanted to win. I want to keep winning, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I had some absolutely incredible – I coached two Illinois State 4-H teams, and then we were fortunate that both of those teams won the National 4-H Livestock Judging Contest. And, I mean, I had some great livestock moments. Mm -hmm. Craig Steck was a high individual one year. Brandon Yanis was the high individual the other in the two years I coached. And I remember Craig Steck's team, um, he'd never given reasons – and, I mean, he he fumbled around on the tryout days so badly that we were like, can we even get him there? Mm -hmm. But he had such a gifted eye. And uh, we did. Got him to Louisville. He was a high individual. He saved the contest for us. Mm -hmm. I remember him. We went to one. And Yanis was a completely different deal. He was a finished – him and Byers were finished products when I got him. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we tweaked him and we tuned him up from 4-H to FFA – or, you know, from 4-H and FFA to college. But those two were just – incredible mm -hmm. livestock judges in high school and they were just like turn the keys on put the gas down let's go yeah they're born to be stock absolutely yeah. and craig was too he just he just didn't have the reasons polished yeah so you you said you were kind of acquiring some use right around 99 i guess that's when you went to university of illinois yeah. did uh craig's influence you know he said he was raising sheep and all that did that have any impact on you in terms of when you started your youth flock um you know he obviously trusted his opinion mm-hmm he didn't like the same kind of sheep I liked at yeah. that time. And I think it's crazy because now we probably do. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always liked him just as freaked out as I could. And he, he would tell me those ewes had no ability, wouldn't be moms. And, I mean, now he's the guy judging the big weather shows that everybody says you better have a prettier win than mm -hmm. the other guys. Um, but, yeah, obviously it had an influence on me. You can't be around somebody that much, you know. Mm -hmm. He's riding the van. I live with his brother. 
Absolutely, it had an influence on what I did. Mm -hmm. So you said you had your kind. Um, what? How did you acquire that kind? And I know maybe that, maybe those ones that you liked, maybe don't always win the the class of four. But how did you how did you grow to like those kind that were a little bit freakier and kind of so, more out there? I guess. So I think honestly, it probably goes back to my dad and selecting yearlings mm -hmm. in the racehorse game. Those standard bred thoroughbreds. I don't care what kind of racehorse you're buying quarter horse they have to be an athlete they have to be an outlier in terms of flexibility in terms of movement I mean if you're going to buy one of those things that could truly make you money they they have to be freaks mm -hmm. and those are the ones that that turn into the best athletes and I, I don't know you know I trained horses for a long time and I think that just resonated over that like I want my livestock to look like athletes mm -hmm. I want my livestock to look like racehorses I want them to move and flex and function and have just a, a thinner throat latch mm -hmm. and a chiseled jaw and a neck that comes right out of the back of your shoulder. I've never seen a great racehorse that was pig-headed. Mm -hmm. Never seen a great racehorse's neck tied low out of his shoulder. And I think that mindset of the young adult me buying yearlings with my dad really progressed me into thinking that livestock should look more like athletes mm -hmm. than they do a feedlot steer. Racehorses are probably the epitome of agile and athletic. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they've got to weigh 1,000 pounds and touch the ground like they weigh 100. Mm -hmm. That's – I like that. So you were judging four-year. You had, you had your kind you liked in your head, and you started coaching some 4-H teams. How soon after that did you get into getting a job, you know, maybe teaching at a college? And yeah, so, I mean, just as soon as I got done it there, I went to Lakeland. Yeah. I actually taught high school ag. Really? Uh, at Charleston High School, the high school that I graduated mm -hmm. from, and then was uh, half-time faculty at Lakeland. How long were you coaching or teaching high school? I taught high school ag for five years. Wow, I had no idea. Yep. Did you coach teams there and oh, yeah. stuff, too? Yeah, I won a state championship uh, horse judging team twice. Really? Livestock once. Legendary Mindset will be back after a word from our sponsor. United Harvest procures the finest meats from the finest ranchers, farmers, and butchers. Many of you know the difference between farm-raised and store-bought meat. Having eaten these meats, we can guarantee that they are the most superior meats you will ever eat. By offering you the highest quality ag products directly to customers, United Harvest is able to both bypass middleman, pushing profits back to the American farmer and rancher, and providing the highest quality meats to you. No coal cows here. Please go to unitedharvest.com and type in the discount code FRIENDS. One five to enjoy fifteen percent off your first order, ladies and gentlemen. These are premium meats, with the company paying nearly twice the market price to the cattlemen for their finest cattle. You will absolutely be impressed. Rule Supplements, the boldest supplement company on the market. What they lack in grace and poise, they make up for in originality and results. Their motto is "Results matter" because results are the driving factor in this industry, and no one ever talks about the fifth place you land. Their product line has your livestock covered with solutions for joint health as well as reproductive performance for all species. Their most popular products are Thick, Shredded R, The Formula, and Strutton. These products combined or alone have fed many of the nation's champions this year. The Grandview at Exarbon, Indiana Stock Show, and the Indiana State Fair were all fed Shredded R and The Formula. The Grand Lamb at California Youth Expo and Kentucky Livestock Expo added Strutton to expand their lead. The list of customer success includes Wisconsin Livestock Expo and the Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, Colorado, and Tulsa State Fairs. There are more results than that, which they would love to share, but they only have one minute to talk. So follow them on Facebook and Instagram and use coupon code JakePeas for $5 off your order. Results matter. Oh. 
So um, what was that transition like going from coaching high school kids that are pretty raw generally to, except for those few you had, but to coaching those those like those collegiate kids who wanted to be there more than anything? You know, I think that, that you just answered the question. They want to be there, right? Yeah. High school kids do it because it's an activity. It's an opportunity. Hey, I get to go somewhere Saturday. You know, you get one or two that are really invested in it. The rest of them, not that they're not invested, but, you know, maybe the football game's more fun or maybe mm-hmm. I'll skip the livestock judging contest because I want to go do X, Y, Z. Sure. When you start giving kids scholarships at Lakeland, um, you know, they're there because it's life. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to be there, you, you don't keep them around. Mm-hmm. And, they're, you know, it's not for everybody. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work, you know. It's, it's life. You live it and breathe it. There's nothing more rewarding. For sure especially when you've spent so much time in blood, sweat, and tears and time in front of the mirror and, and all that. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that, like um, being on a team with some of those people and, and just seeing them y- and talk those reasons and do all that. A lot of them are gifted, but there is a ton of hustle that has to go into being the best at that, you know, when there's 100 other kids trying to be the best at it. Well, and I think that I truly believe that to be the best, some of that you're born with. Mm-hmm. But any kid that wants to put in the work, that cares enough to put in the work, can be a solid contributor to a collegiate livestock judging program. And I think that is so different than anything else that high school slash college age kids have, right? I mean, I'm not going to play Division One basketball. Even, I'm not going to be the 12th man on the bench. Mm-hmm. But if you truly put yourself to it and you get around smart people, whether it be your teammates, your coach, breeders – you can be good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not win a contest, but, you know, team contests aren't won by the kids that win the contest. Contests mm-hmm. are won by the fourth and fifth cards being 17th and 21st mm-hmm. in the contest. For sure. That's what it takes to win. The, the great ones, you know, all the good teams have one or two. It's finding a fourth or fifth that don't fall out of bed mm-hmm. that wins contests for livestock judging teams. Yeah. I heard Glenn Martin say it one time. When he, I was asking him, you know, what was, did you judge or how, how good were you in college? And he said, you know, I never really won the contest. I was kind of like the linebacker. I wasn't going to win it or lose it for him, but I was going to carry the team to wherever they needed to go. Well, I've seen, I've coached more good teams. I've seen more good teams that had some of the most incredible individuals on them, but they couldn't get a fifth. Mm-hmm. And if your fifth drops 130 points, it doesn't matter if your first three drop 15, you're out. Mm-hmm. You can't win a contest that way. That anchor, that's what we call them at Lakeland. You know, who's the anchor? Mm-hmm. Who, who's the guy that's not going to drop 80 that we can put out there as the fifth that we're going to get off the floor at 23 to 28 on a you know an average contest? Mm-hmm. You know, that guy wins the contest for you. Yeah. Let's talk about assembling a team of, of kids who you're going to mark. Say you have, like, 12 kids on a livestock judging team, and on any given day there's probably eight of them that can mark cards and, and do good. How do you make those those fine decisions and, and how do you find confidence in the right kid? Yeah, for sure. I think the first thing we always did was look at the contest. Mm-hmm. You know, Denver, extremely cattle heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, Houston, way southwest influence. Louisville, all show quality livestock. And then you start looking at those kids and say, where does this fit? Mm-hmm. You know, Denver was a contest we would mark kids that – maybe didn't park, mark anywhere else, but they were really cattle strong. And at that time, Denver, you had Judge Woolsheep. So, mm-hmm. And at that time at Houston, you had to judge two classes of horses. So that went into picking who's going to judge, you know, who we're going to mark here. You know, a couple times at Houston, we marked some actual horse kids because we thought we could get a leg up on those two classes. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it all just goes back to understanding the skill set of your individuals. And there's, man, you guess right and you guess wrong. And I, I will say this, and, and coaches that listen, I hope will laugh. I've never seen an alternate have a bad day. Mm-hmm. Every kid that was ever an ultimate drops zero points. There goes uh, the pressure. Yeah, know. I only dropped 12 points. I was the alternate, and I didn't get cards. Well, I've never seen an alternate have a bad day. Never seen one walk up and say, point. I dropped 112 as an alternate. It just does not happen. <laughs> You've got to believe in what you believe and roll on. Sure. And you can, I mean, you can tell when kids are ready. Mm-hmm. They're like picking fruit off a tree. Yeah. Some of them just their confidence, you know, ebbs and flows, and you're like, this one, this one, he's ready. Mm-hmm. He's ready to go, man. He's like that racehorse in the starting gate. Open it up and let's jump. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of good, high-quality, like, team member good attitudes are, are important in that situation, for, you know, to where a kid can't be like, you know, why'd he mark him? You know, I should be up there. And I think it's a big lesson for them to learn is to, you know, root your friends on and, and the teams comes first. And I think all that comes naturally. And we've, we've lived through that as coaches. I lived through it as a teammate. You know, everybody that does this competitively mm-hmm. at the highest level – they believe they, they deserve cards, and they should. Mm-hmm. If you got a bunch of kids on your team that say, well, I didn't deserve cards, you got the wrong team. Yeah. But they've got to understand that the sixth guy did as much to make that team win as the five that marked cards. Because mm-hmm. I have always said a good six and seven will push your top five enough that if you don't have that, complacency will take over. Mm-hmm. It's just human nature. So you got to realize that just because you didn't mark cards doesn't mean you're not a team member. doesn't mean that you didn't have something to do with that. Mm-hmm. You're pushing those people every day for their spot. Yeah, competing and making them try even harder. Yeah, I making them better. So how long did you coach? Or, I mean, I guess what what made you stop, you know, teaching high school and get wrapped into the judging deal, or did that happen at the same time? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I kind of moved from the high school. I got a big kid job. Mm-hmm. I realized you couldn't, like, do the things I wanted to do on a high school ag teacher's salary. And then I, I was still half-time at Lakeland while I was working in the chemical world. And then it just got to the point that it was too much. I couldn't I couldn't juggle them both. I was at Lakeland seven years. Mm-hmm. I coached a freshman and then assistant coach to sophomores. And I was at the U of I for two years. So I had nine years worth of coaching. And I would say this, and I mean it sincerely, livestock judging coaching is a young man's game. Mm-hmm. Dan Hogue is the anomaly to the world. I mean, that guy just transcends generations and, and could – be the chameleon that adjusted to everything. Mm-hmm. You look around right now, the elite ones are under 30. Mm-hmm. They're single and, the, and they don't have any kids. That's right. And uh, we had Trace. We wanted to raise stock. We wanted to show stock. And I did not feel like I could give any of the three true justice trying to do it all. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved my time coaching. I've always told Lindsay that maybe someday I'll I'll retire and go somewhere to a small junior college and coach again because I, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm infatuated with looking at good livestock. But it was time, and I look around at the landscape now, and you look at, you know, Scott and Callis, you know, these guys that are really good. You know, Hayden Wilder, who took over at Lakeland, you know, guys that are going to be here a long time, you know, they're not going to do it forever. Mm-hmm. You know, Callis, he was he was incredible. And now he's like, no, nope, I'm going to do the show cow team, and I'll let Spencer coach the judging team. You know, Connor Newsom, single, like, and he's he's That's killing right. it. Mm-hmm. But it – you're not going to do that at 50. Yeah. That's it. There ain't never going to be another Dan Hope. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. For sure. So you, you coached for quite a while, and uh, there's, you know, things are always advancing. Things are always getting more competitive, especially in the livestock world. But did you see that? Did you have to force yourself to change or, or adopt new ideas as you started coaching those teams compared to the stuff you picked up and oh, absolutely. In, in college? What were some of those? Uh, absolutely. Well, I think the reasons is probably what changed the most. Mm-hmm. 
you know, everything gets so innovative and it's all about how unique you can sound with while staying there, saying the right things mm-hmm. to me, you know, livestock shift, you know, we, we were out here in Ty's barn a minute ago, looking at pictures of Nicole's grand market lamb at the Iowa state fair in 2003. You know, mm-hmm. that was, was right in the heat of me starting coaching, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, wow, I didn't realize it looked like that. They didn't look like that to me at that time. Mm-hmm. They looked like good livestock, you know, cause in the, in the scheme of where they were, they were, but just staying on top of what's relevant. And then the reasons, the reasons are ever evolving. The, the game is who can come up with the next new way to give reasons mm-hmm. to really sound different because if not, it just all blends together in the middle. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're listening to 200 college kids talk the same animals yep. all day. Particularly when you get a class that's, you know, everybody stripes it with a 50. How do you make your kids sound different enough mm-hmm. that I get a point, half a point a set mm-hmm. over, you know, my, my closest competitor? Yeah. That was our biggest game at Lakeland is, I mean, scour the internet about, you know, listen to judges give reasons it shows, people you respected, you know. Mm-hmm. Listen to Mark Hogue, guy that says some of the unique, most unique things I've ever heard. How can we take something out of that and put it in a set of reasons to make that reasons listener sit up and look at you and say, hey, you got my attention now. You only got about 15 seconds in that mm-hmm. set to score points. All the rest of it's filler. Mm-hmm. For sure. So let's talk about coaching those teams and, and what are you actually trying to teach them? Are we trying to teach them to be – you know, maybe stockmen or teaching them to judge big shows, or are we trying to teach them to to place four animals and, and how does contest logic kind of fit in there? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think I can go back to my own experience of being an extremely successful livestock judge and attempting to become a stock breeder mm-hmm. and floundering around for years of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And I think when when I became a coach and I was raising livestock, I, I decided – we're going to teach these kids how to see livestock. If we win contests, great. If that if that is a factor or a result of what we're doing, awesome. But when I started, I sure wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. I wanted the big trophy at every contest. Mm-hmm. And to get the big trophy at every contest, you teach kids that kinds go places. Mm-hmm. And you don't teach kids to see maybe true value and sometimes really unique breeding livestock because you don't want them to say, man, maybe that one needs to go up a spot. And as a breeder, it's just a completely different world, right? We take pieces and try to put a puzzle together and say, well, I need that piece, and that one brings it. Yes, she's not perfect, but if I can get that piece out of her and a daughter that's three steps up from her, then I can do something. Mm -hmm. I never crossed my mind when I started coaching. Mm -hmm. It was simply about there are four livestock in the ring. How's the committee going to place them? How can I get five kids to get that right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, now, I'd be the prime example of it. I won every contest there was in the world. And I feel so terrible for those people that showed to me the first times they let me judge shows because I couldn't have been good at it. Mm-hmm. Outside of forehead, I had absolutely no idea what is unique. I had no idea what breeders were trying to make things look like. Um, it took me a long time. Yeah. I judged a lot of big shows because I won a lot of livestock judging contests. And I can assure you, those people probably didn't get a fair shake in mm-hmm. spots. So... When you go judge a show and, and you sort from class to class and, and see all those sheep, it kind of helps you yourself to kind of talk about the same things or maybe use the same kind. How do you juggle that when you're trying to decide, should I place this like I would tell my students to place it? Should I place it like I want to or, 
or how the smart sheep guy on the fence over there probably thinks I should place it. Well, I don't think you ever try to blend any of that together. You yeah. just pick a path and go down it, and yeah. you stay that way the whole time. Yeah. I think when we see people get in trouble, it's when they try to stay in the middle of all of that. You know, yeah. if that's a triangle and you try to hit the center of it, you're a wreck. Mm-hmm. Just say, you know, I'm going to – it's okay to be like, I'm a judging coach. I'm going to play some like they're in a judging contest. Mm-hmm. As long as you do that every time and you're hittable, that's great. Yeah. Or you can be like, I'm a breeder. That's what I'm going to use. I'm going to use the ones I, I think are the most unique. Gosh, you can't try to get in the center mm-hmm. because you're just you're going to end up with a grand drive looks nothing like. Yeah. You're going to second guess yourself. And that's the one thing I tried to teach kids, even while we were coaching them, was that it's okay to know that this class goes like this and not like it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to win a judging contest. It's all right to be convicted in what you believe at home or what you believe you want in your show barn. But we got to place this thing like a committee will, mm-hmm. and that's the hardest thing to get through kids' heads. And I would tell you that you see all these kids that are extremely successful in a certain species and they go to a judging program and they struggle more in that species than anywhere else Mm -hmm. because they have these preconceived notions because they have beliefs that are most likely spot on for what they need to do in their show barn. But that doesn't translate to placing the livestock judging class correctly. So I think the ultimate... I mean, the ultimate goal of the Livestock Judging Program is to develop young people and into leaders and, and give them a long list of talents. But a lot of these people are the first people to get called to judge county fairs and, and jackpots, and, and the, the big kids are judging those national shows. And, and they should be, right? That's yeah. where we got to train them. And I think that as showmen, and I struggle with it as much as anybody, we have to be understanding that if you don't give these kids a shot mm-hmm. to judge my county fair, to judge a 50-head jackpot, they're never going to learn to be able to judge a big one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got you go home frustrated, but you got to realize they got to learn too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're our next generation. You know, those kids are going to grow up. I'm I'm not young anymore. I'm done judging county fairs. You know, nobody calling me to judge a county fair. They're calling those kids. And sometimes as a dad or show mom, you got to say, you know what? I've been doing this a long time. I don't see it that way. But you know, that kid's got to learn. Mm-hmm. Somebody let me learn. I want to let somebody learn. And Hey, they're going to mess up. I mess up. I'm 41 years old and judge shows, and I look back and go, man, I, I probably didn't do that right. I still don't get it right. Mm-hmm. So what do you, do you think, um, you know, as we train these these collegiate livestock judging kids, do you think there's anything that needs to maybe, like, change just in terms of contest logic or teaching them to always hit the same committee? Absolutely. I wish that we would teach kids how to evaluate livestock. Mm-hmm. You know, this this activity was started to teach kids how to evaluate livestock, right? Nobody was like, we're going to do a judging contest to see who wins. Mm-hmm. You know, no, we're going to teach livestock judging so they can breed better livestock. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the maturation of everything that has any competitive aspect to it, right? Mm-hmm. Winning is more important in some spots than teaching. And I was as guilty of it as anybody in the world. Well, I don't care. You know, we have to win. And to win, you have to do this. I don't think human nature ever lets us get away from that because we're so competitive mm-hmm. and the all the focus is on who won. You know, I sound like an old person, but I wish we could just go back to just teaching. Mm-hmm. Just teach them about stock. Teach them what quality is. But, you know, with the way it works in contests with committees, you know, it's always going to be driven to we got to get it like the committee would do it. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, you're chasing your tail. You're never going to get it out of it. I wish we could. Mm-hmm. And I think the blend is, and the ones that are really good, and you look at a, a Chris Mullinex, who's coached just an incredible amount of great livestock judges. You know, Shockey has been so good over the years. I mean, you can name a pile of them. We already talked about Hogue. 
those guys know how to look at a kid and say, this is how you place the class, but this is what you should see in the livestock. And those guys that are doing that, those guys need applauded. Mm-hmm. They're generating stockmen. Yeah, sure. they are generating. And, they, and they're teaching them that it's okay to see this, but you can't place it like that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can get to that everywhere, we're good. Mm-hmm. We're fine. For sure. So you said you kind of, looking back, maybe those first few big shows you judged, um, you might change some things about them now. When did it finally click for you and you were like, okay, this is how I want to go into these big shows and, and sort them and be comfortable? Yeah, I mean, i tell you what. I did the use at OYE. Um, I did showmanship at OA and I classified the weathers at that time. One guy did all that. And then Keith Perry judged the weathers the next day. And I did those use at OIE. And I remember thinking to myself in about class two, like I had some pep in my step and I'm like, yeah, they need to look like this. And from that time on, I don't think I've ever questioned, but it, it really took me, I judged a belt buckle. I judged Southwest district. And I think I used good sheep. I mean, I'm not saying it was a train wreck. What but, year was this? Um, gosh, 2007. Okay. Yeah, and I remember in OIE, about class two of those commercial use, this one hit the ring, and I was like, that's that's what they're supposed to look like. And then from there on out, I, I have never backed up. I mean, she was shallow and great big leg, and she wasn't very big. I made her, uh, I think, reserve. But, I mean, she just had a cocky neck. I say big-legged. She probably wasn't big-legged, but I thought she was big-legged mm-hmm. then. And, man, I don't know what happened. I was like, that's, that's, the, that's what they're all – and then that show was so good, and they were so deep – that we just kept rolling and we just kept finding ones that look like them. I got down at champion driving. It's like I had an epiphany. I was like, wow, they all look alike mm-hmm. that they all look alike. They just get bigger. And, uh, I'll just never forget it. Lindsay and Trace were there watching. I walked over the fence and I was like, man, I'm, I'm on today. I'm in, I'm in a zone. Mm-hmm. Let's roll. And, uh, you know, I've always gravitated towards those sheep that are short plated, that are round ribbed. And, uh, I get, I get a joke out of people that say, well, I'm big legged. Well, we don't eat their blade. We don't eat their legs. Guys, this is a dog show. Yeah, this ain't no this ain't a slaughterhouse. Yeah. This is a sheep. Yeah, it's a sheep show. Mm-hmm. And those things make them look unique. Mm-hmm. And unique ones, you know, unique ones should have value. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones we need to try to breed. The hardest one to breed, that's the one I want to use to win. Yeah. Most unique one. So at that point you're raising sheep, were you kinda getting your used to where you wanted or, or when did that happen? Yeah, so that was uh, I bought out my brother from the Horner split because we were in together and we were living in Charleston and we were buying bucks from Brian Johnson and Bradley at that time. Mm-hmm. He was he was still alive and and uh man, we, we were we were winning some jackpot shows, winning classes at state fairs, raised the grand champion market you at the only state fair right in that same time. Yeah, I mean we were starting to hit a step where we were raising some livestock that people actually wanted to buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had some absolutely incredible teachers. For sure. So as you kept going with your youth flock and, and just kind of kept getting better and figuring out exactly what you wanted, did it have any change on how you sorted things or how you saw stuff in the ring, just the breeding side of it? Absolutely. I, th- I think it's the biggest shift in, in my paradigm that I've ever had in my mm-hmm. life. I went from doing what a judging team coach taught me to living and breathing, trying to lay, raise livestock that you could sell and make a profit. Uh, yes, totally. These completely different kinds of animals. I started to believe that rib cage and rib shape were more important than back shape and curled up muscles and that feet and legs and structural integrity and, and flexibility, you know, maybe had more, more true value mm-hmm. than leanness or shape. Cause let's face it. Everybody's scared of judging market lambs in a judging contest. But at the end of the day, I used to blindfold kids to coach them to judge market lambs. Mm-hmm. So don't even look at them. Touch their backs, handle their ribs, write your placing down. You're not going to be off by a pair very mm-hmm. often. 
Almost you can't breed sheep like that. No. But when you're coaching kids, we'd put blindfolds on them and say, all right, handle them. Write the placing down. And just because kids are scared of market lambs, you know, judging kids. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's probably the single scariest Even thing. Even market lamb kids are scared. Yeah, absolutely. Even market – because they're not very good. Yeah. They're pulled out of a show. If they were good when they showed, they've shrunk down the drenches out of them. They're not on souped-up show feed, mm. and they start to melt, and it's really hard to get a read on them. And then if you go in there and try to, like, truly evaluate structure and build in a rack, you just can't do it. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely, when I started breeding sheep and started breeding – well, they weren't good sheep, but they were decent sheep. Mm. Absolutely, it changed. Mm. I, I think I shifted from being a judging coach to being a breeder, mm. and there is a total different perspective when you do that. For sure. So you've judged a bunch of state fairs, um, maybe a couple of national shows – between now and then, um, what was your favorite show you've ever judged? The use at OIU are incredible. OIU. State Fair of Texas is the best individual I've ever used. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about him. We'll describe that sheep and how he was. Just absurdly shallow, and his rib cage looked like a 50-gallon drum coming out of his back, mm-hmm. and his hind leg hinged so good it would hit his chin, but it wasn't boomeranged. Mm-hmm. He was a great animal. He won that thing. I don't know why in the world anybody would take that thing to Dallas. He'd won any show that spring. I think he could have taken him too. Mm-hmm. He was a great sheep. Mm-hmm. The sheep I used at Indiana two years ago was in that league, but he was was smaller weight. Mm-hmm. You know, he just wasn't as ready. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've had the opportunity to use so many good ones. I used one in like 2004 or five to win the Southwest District in Chickasha, Oklahoma. It was a Stitzline sheep, and you could go on his website, his pictures there. You kids would laugh about him, but at that time, that thing was a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sure. good sheep everywhere now. You know, it used to be you could go some places and be like, eh, I don't know if there's going to be a good one there. This world is is shrunk. There's great livestock everywhere. Mm-hmm. So your kid's been showing since I'm sure he could walk, just judging by the backdrop pictures I've seen from way back when. And you guys are always ma- making a run at all the national shows and your and your state shows and stuff. How does um, when you go to buy sheep, um, how do you, um, I guess, decipher between you know I may want to buy that one the most, but we're showing to this guy, or how do you juggle that? Yeah, it's a you know that is a real factor mm-hmm. in this thing because there's so many good sheep. Mm-hmm. And I think AI and flushing and the ability of everybody to get access to the very best Rams has really elevated how many good ones there are. You got to hit for a judge. Every judge has got a kind. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, you're not going to bring me a stout, moderate one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not going to take one of those to Beckmeyer. You know, Glenn, I thought, did an incredible job yesterday. You're not going to take him some tricked out, freaky looking. We can take him a really, really good one. That's body is built right and his legs are good. And you mm-hmm. just got to hit him. Everybody's hittable. And that's the good judges. That's all you can ask for them. Just mm-hmm. be hittable. For sure. So as your your experience as a show dad and, and being ringside watching your kid so often, does that change your experience judging livestock shows Yeah, too? I think it does. And I'll tell you what it changes. It, it changes more the the dad side of me than it does the judge side mm-hmm. of me, right? As a dad, I want to get frustrated and be like, oh, I would I wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. You stand in that ring, it's a completely different deal. You you mentally have got to be tough to judge stock shows, but you also have to be understanding that even as a judge that believes he's doing the right thing every class, mm-hmm. things aren't always easy. There are times that I, when I get on the mic and say, I, if you like them the other way, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, It's true. And I think parents, as a show dad, you got to understand the show judge He's not out there trying to hurt your kid. Mm-hmm. He's trying to do the best job he can. Mm-hmm. And just because, you know, 
I had a mom tell me one time she watched her kid the entire time in showmanship and her kid didn't do anything wrong. She couldn't figure out why her kid was second. And I said, well, did you watch all the other kids? No, I only watched my kid. That's right. And you should only watch your kid. Mm -hmm. But I was watching all the kids. And this other kid was a half a second faster setting his legs, got his head up, you know, that much quicker. Like, yeah, your kid did a great job. So did that kid. Mm -hmm. You know, you're supposed to be proud of your kids. You want them to win. But it's uh, the perspective totally changes from dad to judge. Absolutely. For sure. So you coached, you know, we've heard you talk about it before, and I've heard some of your students talk about it, but you've coached some pretty elite guys. I have had the opportunity to coach people that taught me more about livestock than I taught them. Mm -hmm. I have had some of the most – I've never, well, I did Dallas, and uh, I've never had the opportunity to do another major. I did the use at OIE, and to me, that that's a major, and that was awesome. But I've coached so many kids that have judged major stock shows. I am more proud of that than any show I've ever judged. Mm-hmm. Let's name some of those. So I had Yanis. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Miles Tenius. had Todd Byers, Blaine Olson, a lot of pig guys for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, never really had a, like, sheep guy. I guess none of the sheep guys wanted to come judge for me. Um, but I, those guys were really, really good to me. I had Craig Steck, which we talked mm-hmm. about. Even that guy judged some huge cattle shows. Yeah, those guys were great. They were family. Mm-hmm. You know, the, all those kids called my wife mom. They called me dad the whole time I coached them. I, I love them all. And they, and they taught me a lot about, about livestock. And I'm sure I'm missing some of them because there's so many good ones over the, the mm-hmm. years there at Lakeland. Um, you said they taught you a lot. Um, and you, you kind of talked about it earlier. They come into your program, and you may not teach them a whole lot just because they were so in tune with their instincts. Was, was that kind of difficult to coach those kind of guys, maybe? If they were coachable, it wasn't. Yeah. And there were some over the years that weren't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we obviously aren't going to go down that path. I'll tell you, I think that if they were all in this room, I would hope that they would tell you that I was a great livestock judge before, but Titus made me a great reasons giver. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the one knack that I had was the ability to form words for them and to come up with unique ways to say things like we talked about earlier mm-hmm. that separated them. And, you know, you know, everybody needs tweaked. Everybody needs coached. Everybody's capable of busting a class. But some of those kids were just so good at seeing things mm-hmm. that really you just you had to shape them, mold them, and teach them how to talk. Mm-hmm. Just kind of put them in the right direction and, and let them do the rest. Yeah, I mean, Tenius is going to judge every show on the planet and maybe in the cattle and the hog world before mm-hmm. he gets done. And and he was so good at seeing them. But, I mean, he couldn't have put a, one sentence set, set of reasons together when he came to Lakeland. Yeah. I've seen his name come up on a couple goat shows recently. I hear he's going to start getting into the goats. I'm excited yeah. to see him sort those Well, guys. he's sure talented enough. That sure. guy had an incredible eye. For sure. So, let's talk about the show dad thing again and, and being ringside and – and maybe not just as a spectator, but as the guy who spent the past few months working his ass off with his entire family, getting his string ready, and and watching the judge sort through the day. What are some of those things that just get frustrating um, to show to, or, or some things that the way things go down, showing in the ring, maybe? Yeah, and I, I'm guess I'm gonna go there. But my biggest frustration in the sheep world right now is that we we've lost track of feet and legs and build and where their top lines sit. Too many times I think we, we go back to the judging team approach mm-hmm. that they've got to be hard-backed and they've got to be lean. Lindsay laughs at me all the time because I said, I don't care how fat one is because you and I can't touch one's ribs and tell the difference between 8 tenths and 16. I don't care how good you think you are. Mm-hmm. It, it, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You've got to hide on that animal that could be as much as two-thirds of the fat. Yeah. And so I care way more about skeletal build, neck placement, 
top line alignment flex to their hind legs. And I wish as an industry we could get there. I think that breeders care. Mm-hmm. All us breeders are striving to raise that crazy looking one that's wide and gets out and goes like a show pony. And we get too many judges that don't see the value in that. Mm-hmm. They close their eyes and they pet them. Mm-hmm. And they got to handle good. You can't be fat and plain and not in any shape. Mm-hmm. But the good ones all have enough. Yeah. I've said for years, I believe you can judge a stock show of really good livestock without ever touching them lambs. Mm-hmm. People call me crazy, but if you know what you're looking at, I can see if one's got a big shaped up back. I don't have to touch it. Yeah. And I just don't think fat's relevant anymore. They're so much fatter than they were when we showed them and were competitive with my brother that uh, you can't tell the difference between fat yeah. and not fat. And I think you can tell when a judge starts to really worry about that, they kind of start digging themselves some holes and, and almost kind of just running in circles. Trying I agree. To chase the one that handles exactly right, I guess. Yeah, and I just think that it's way harder to get all the rest. Mm-hmm. And nobody cares about an old you that had a big back, right? When you're looking at them out in the pasture and you're picking your donor, you don't grab them up and handle them. You mm-hmm. look at them when you throw the feed bucket in there and when she sticks her neck up in the air and she looks like a creature, that's the one you want, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the ones we're trying to replicate, not something that had a half a tenth of fat and a big hard back. Yeah. No sure. breeders going out there and saying, I'm going to breed them all for that. They're trying to make a unique one that, you know, hits that ring and has that, oh, man, look at that thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you said you maybe in the future, if you're retired, you might want to get back into coaching or something, but. Your son's done showing. What's the next few years look like for you? We're going to cut down on ewes because my help's leaving. And uh, we're really going to focus on trying to get these blackface sheep better. Mm-hmm. We've had a great deal of success in the whites and speckles. Mm-hmm. But we, we've got – and we're back. We're getting there. But mm-hmm. that's the focus. For sure. Anything else we want to touch on on this topic? No, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You're driving the ship, Jake. <laughs> Let's talk about your family. You're, uh, we talked about your son quite a bit. He's going to go judge. Um How'd you meet your wife, Lindsay? So, University of Illinois. Yeah. I was in graduate school. Um, she went to Blackhawk, rival school to Lakeland, you know, big big oh, yeah. throw down there. She lived uh, she lived in another apartment complex, but all the guys she went to Blackhawk live, with lived in the complex that I do. And, uh, I don't know, we just started hanging around in the same mm-hmm. circle. I chased her for a long time before she caved, but I finally got her. <laughs> there you go. She was, a, she was a livestock person, obviously, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Extremely, extremely good Simmental cattle. She showed... Just some absolutely incredible, mm-hmm. incredible heifers in her time. And she, she really has an incredible eye for livestock. She, uh, she judged at Blackhawk and didn't judge at Illinois. She doesn't get nearly enough credit. She's, she's the only reason Pure Enough ever got to stay a buck. And, mm-hmm. I mean, she, she's a true she stock. she got a pretty good eye. Yeah, she's a true stockman. She just doesn't, doesn't let it show. She lets mm-hmm. me think I'm the one dry, doing all this stuff. Pretty humble. There you go. Well, uh, thanks for sitting down and talking. No, I appreciate it, Jake. I had a blast. Heck, yeah. And welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, it was a lot of fun to sit there and record. Um, me, me and Brent have been planning that since, I think, Louisville. Um, but really exciting. Uh, a lot of cool things discussed for sure. Uh, be sure to check out the show with Cannon Brown, the Keeper Pen with Jenna Wheeler and Maddie Caldwell, or Cattle Pros with Jake Scott if you run out of podcasts to listen to. Um, but we will see you guys next week. <laughs>